Hey, y'all. I'm Jessica. And I'm Camille. And we are Highly Hormonal. Thank you so much for coming back and listening to another episode. We are doing a night episode tonight, and we do have a special guest. So if you're watching, you already see that we have somebody with us. And if you're just listening, we'll get to our special guest in just a moment. But for now, I want to ask Jessica, what are you wearing, drinking, eating, reading, watching, listening to these days? I'm actually not sick. This is just from the first weekend being open and speaking on top. So even though it is a night episode and I already spy, and if you are watching on YouTube, you do too. Camille's got something way fancier than me to drink. I'm drinking coffee and like one of my favorite mugs. Y'all have seen it before. It's got my kiddos and my husband and I and a reindeer on it. It's peppermint mocha Starbucks coffee with peppermint mocha Ooh. creamer, like doubling down on the, the festive. I am wearing a really cute reindeer farm vest and uh, a plaid collared undershirt. like. I'm way fancy for how I normally am. It's definitely an <laughs> upgrade true. from pajamas or a sweatshirt. And it's because we just got back from uh, an early Thanksgiving dinner with my husband's family. We went to Cracker Barrel because my mother-in-law is not a big, whoop, whoop. she doesn't cook a whole lot. Um, and she listens to this podcast, the Thanks Chima for dinner. It was really good. I actually had their fried turkey breast. So I did kind of have like a Thanksgiving meal with green beans and hash brown casserole. Most of my kids, other than Ashton, had breakfast and Russell ate breakfast. So it was kind of do as you please. Yeah. Right. Everybody just get what you like. I did have um, an alcoholic beverage at dinner, which is still really hilarious to me that you can drink alcohol at Cracker Barrel. (laughs) Cracker Barrel. Yeah, I'm sure that's controversial to a lot of folks out there. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, All the Meemaws and Peepaws are like uh, probably totally against drinking at the Cracker Barrel. Russell and I spent way too much time talking about this the other day about <laughs> what that board meeting was like when they decided that they were going to have alcohol yeah. um, and everybody's feelings and thoughts on that. Um, I had the Glitter Globe Spritzer. It's like a sparkling wine and cranberry. And there's edible glitter in it. Um, It's really cute. Okay. Cracker Barrel. I mean, yeah. It's like (laughs) tails, not just beer. Reading. I'm not reading anything since we last recorded. It's been, I started that new book from Hope Gibbs, the author that I met. Mm -hmm. It's a really good book. I'm really enjoying it. I'm just struggling to get through it just due to lack of time to like sit down and actually read right now with Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. and the farm being open and trying to do some like, I say last minute. I don't think last minute counts when you're already open, but like finish some other projects that we would like to get done before next weekend. And podcast wise, I'm still listening to just my same old, same old. I haven't started anything new. Yeah. I mean, like I'm just busy. I'm kind of boring <laughs> right now. So yeah. It. And um watching, you know, whatever Russell turns on before I pass out. In the past few nights, it's been the Chappelle show on Netflix. He clicks it on after our son falls asleep. So I listen to Dave Chappelle as I pass out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Too so funny. Camille, tell me all the things, what you're eating, what you're watching, <laughs> wearing, drinking, listening to, reading. Well, currently I am drinking a Dark Horse Big Red Blend and ate some. I'm the only one in my family that eats like traditional Southern Thanksgiving the casseroles, the dressing, I'm the only one. So I just buy like a small little 
casserole or dressing from a local restaurant. <laughs> yeah. And I eat it like that's what I eat because no one else eats it. My husband doesn't eat it. None of my adult <laughs> kids. They never have. They don't like all that. They consider that funeral food. They don't drink, <laughs> they don't eat casseroles or anything like that. So it's just for me and it's enough for me to eat it one or two times. <laughs> over the next day or so and then I'm like I'm done so but anyway okay as far as reading I have just started well I'm probably halfway through with Geneva Rose's latest book it's a date again mm-hmm. about the girl who like gets in a she gets in a coma gets amnesia and then has to date these three guys again to see which one she was really in love with because she doesn't know any of them or whatever so anyway it's, it's really cute. It's really cute. A uh, little rom-com kind of feel to it. So it's cute. And then a podcast that I have been listening to, and I listened to the first few episodes, but the others had not dropped yet, Exposed. And I think I mentioned it the last time we recorded, and it's about Columbia University, the mm-hmm. gynecology um, obstetrics department, and about how these women were assaulted by their obstetrician. And anyway, I'm still listening to that. I have not finished that uh, podcast yet. And then as far as watching, I have really, for some reason, decided I'm binging uh, Married at First Sight. I have no idea why I've gotten into this, but you know, I'm a reality. I mean, it's right up your alley. TV. Of course, reality trash TV. That's me. Garbage, garbage in, right? So yeah, I'm just watching the latest well whatever season anyway I'm watching a season of that I don't even know what the what season they're on but yeah so that's about it what you wearing sparkly look at my cute little sweatshirt it's got Santa got sequins Santas on it I like it it's cute I decided this year that when we're recording this mid-November or towards the end of November but as soon as November 1st hit I was going to wear all of the Christmas stuff so I've been wearing like either Christmas colors or my t-shirts or anything like Christmas ever since. I mean, since November the 1st. So for a good while, three weeks, basically. Okay. So we do have a special guest tonight. And so our special guest is Sloan Garner. And I am going to basically uh, introduce her. She is my daughter and she is 26. She's my firstborn. And so I'm going to ask her, what are you drinking, eating, reading, watching, wearing, listening to these days? Great. My first word is drinking a cocktail made with gin, which is the blue, like softer gin that has butterfly pea flower, like infusion in it, uh, because I've become a gin. And I'm drinking out of this cute little Santa mug because... When I'm home, I like to indulge in the spirit because related to being on the podcast, I'm drinking out of the highly hormonal mug here. That's water uh, because I'm a big fan of for every glass of alcohol you have, you have a glass of water. I agree with that. Liquid intake. Not sponsored. (laughs) I'm a big fan of those. But because I'm currently in school, I want to unwind at night. I'm reading 
Tale for the Time Being by Ruth Ozeki. I'm rereading that book. I'm a big fan of it. I wrote it years ago when I was nerd to my master's program. Nerd grad degree. So that was 2015. I know some major plot points in later seasons, but for the most part, I'm watching each episode with the same thrill that I had the first time. I keep going, oh, is this then? What am I listening to? Why not? Any order. Huge podcaster. I tend to like pick up podcasts for like three months at a time and I binge them and that's all I listen to for a, like a period and then I listen to no podcasts at all for about nine months it's like everything that I've missed so I did the most recent one I've been listening to is Batch which is the Bitter Southerner podcast I'm a huge fan I think right now they're doing some more food stories but they had just gotten off of uh, earth stories about like geography and ecological features in the southeast that I thought were really cool. It featured Janice Ray, who's a big, I'm a big fan of her writing. And do I listen to music or just podcasts? Just podcasts is usually what we talk about. Okay. Or so audio them all. I'm, yeah, I like forest green, olive green kind of situation. It's an OGL move. I'm a big fan of their stuff. And they run a lot of sales that are like buy two, get one half off or something like that. And so I have a lot of their, like, under layers as, like, base pieces. I'm wearing a Lumineers t-shirt. from. I really like them. them. Yeah, big fan. I saw them live at the Sanger Theater in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. And it was, like, one of those shows where they make you put your phone in a pouch so you, like, can't record or anything. Mm -hmm. Because they were previewing some music off of an album they hadn't released yet. Oh, how fun. This super intimate experience. And, like, I got, like, the lead singer, like, walked on my chair because he came out into the audience. And I got to, like, fall. It was very fun. And I'm wearing um, a Giving Key necklace uh, that my mom actually gifted me, like, this summer. What? Okay. Yeah, we'll just we'll talk about that. No, I'm laughing. So my mom gives me this necklace. Uh, the Giving Key is like a great organization, and this one says Breakthrough. Yeah, and some earrings that my boyfriend gifted. Oh my me. lord! Okay, Are you just cover everything. No, no, you're good. <laughs> I'm safe hey. here because she's gonna talk like I do and ramble. Yes, like I do. yes. I'm glad. Yes, exactly. You, you can be the rambling queen today. Okay, so if you're watching on YouTube. You see that as my daughter, she's taller than I am. Mm-hmm. Like we're, it's a visible difference in our Quite. height because we are sitting in chairs that are the same height, but here we are. So anyway, I'm very happy to have tall children because I am a shrimp. She's going to tell you a little bit about what she's currently doing. And then our topic for today relates to that. So our topic is children in the arts or you know, raising kids in the arts and what the arts means and different, you know, areas that people can get into. And so, yeah, she'll kind of talk about that, but I'm going to let her give you a little, a short, it'll never be short, but a short, a short oh yeah, ha ha ha, I'm the short one, a uh, short intro to who she is and kind of where she is currently. And then we'll kind of just go from there. How about that? Perfect. So, as we have said, my name is Sloan L. Garner, and I'm currently a PhD student at the University of Georgia. I'm getting my doctorate in theater and performance studies. Uh, My first two degrees, my bachelor's degree and my master's degree, are also in theater. When I was in my bachelor's degree, I did minor in music. I actually was trained as a musician first. That's really where I fell in love with the arts. Uh, I was very little. And my great-grandmother could only play a few songs on the piano, but she had a piano in her home. And so when we would go and visit her, 
was very fascinated. Like as a young child, I would sit in the floor and I was fascinated that you had keys for your hands and keys for your feet, which obviously if you know anything about organs or pianos, an organ would have probably been more fascinating, but I liked that there were little pedals. And so as a kid, I would sit under her feet while she played and press the pedals down. So I was always fascinated with music. I got into music and dance lessons kind of like very early on, you know, involved in church uh, arts things like acting in like the Christmas plays and things like that. And then through did some local community theaters. Yes, I did some community theaters. Voice lessons. I did a lot of things. I was very interested in the arts from uh, many angles. I'm not a visual artist. We'll get that out of the way. I can't do that for anything. I don't have the eye for it. I'm very appreciative. A little bit of the concepts from having to learn like theatrical set design and things like that. And what about your high school years? Um, when I went to school at first in my ninth and 10th grade year, I played in the marching band. I was in the show choir. I was in like church choirs. I was Cinderella in Cinderella. And yes, the Rodgers <laughs> and Hammerstein versions. I got to like sing and everything. But then. But it was all musical kind of related at that point. With all of the incidental music taken out. It's just a bunch of really awkward grunting during the fight scenes. And like crash sounds. And like very uncomfortable. But the music is then embedded into the scene so that you as the audience know who to cheer for and like where to gasp right. and where to get excited and all that. And like when, oh no, something's coming. So I was really fascinated with that. And I wanted, I didn't really want to be on the stage in front of people, but I wanted to make music that would impact them subtly without them realizing it. But in my 10th grade year, and I really wanted to go to, interlocking I think that's how you say that it's some school in like Minnesota or something for the arts I found out about it you know the internet whatever but because I was really loving the arts and I realized I wasn't getting the arts education I needed to do what I wanted to do that I wasn't going to be competitive in the field so I started looking around and I found Mississippi School of the Arts which is a public residential high school in the state of Mississippi open for 11th and 12th graders it is uh, state funded and then donor supported on top of that. And um, just the way any public school would be. The only difference is the hiring criteria and that you have to audition and interview to get in. And um, if you live outside of like the county radius, then you live there. So it's kind of like a charter boarding school situation but not formally. Um, so I rode the train every two weeks. Three um, hours. Yes. One way. Yes. To go to Mississippi School of the Arts. And I applied and auditioned. I let my baby, who was get on 15, get on a train by herself. Okay. Barely. And move off and live for two years away from me. Yes. So when you apply and audition, you can to three areas. They have visual art, literary arts, theater, dance, vocal music. And they, have, since I've graduated, have added a sixth art, which is media arts, which is kind of just film and photography. And I got it. I auditioned for three because I was like, I'm going to get in, damn it. And, but I'm going to. Better the odds. <laughs> yeah. And in like some church plays and the two at my high school. And that was it. Side note, she was very dramatic. 
scary to me. She so, was a teenage girl. We all were. Big drama. Oh, since she was like born, big drama. <laughs> Got in for theater and music, and they essentially on the app. Uh, on the acceptance letter tell you yes you got into both but we think you should do theater and we reserve the right to place you in one if the other one gets too full so I was like oh I don't want that to happen and they had told me you can do kind of theater as a major and music as a minor but you cannot do it backwards because of how the class schedules line up so I was like well if I can do theater and they see potential in me there and I can do music on the side then I'll just do that and I took a bunch of classes my first year. You're in school from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. And then rehearsal from 5 p.m. to 10 p.m. to 8 And then lights Holy hell. That is it's a huge kids. responsibility for a, a child. You were a child. Yes. yes. No joke. Teachers must have years of teaching experience to teach there. And most of them have a doctorate or have a terminal degree called a Master of Fine Arts. So we were basically learning from college professors and their goal is that not only do you wrap up your regular high school curriculum, you get the same diploma everybody else in public school does in the state. By the end of your senior year, you will be artistically equivalent to someone finishing their first year of undergrad. Okay. And, and so they're trying to like really put you ahead in that. And I found that to be true. It was awesome. It is grueling. It's very long. And it's it's long, hard days. And you're learning really complex things for a 16 and 17 year old um, or 17 and 18 you know I took my first year dramaturgy one and two this is where she surpassed my knowledge <laughs> right well just just that name and I only know what that is because I'm friends with your mom and we've talked yeah. about that that's not why I was like what's that because I've already know asked. the dummy version because I don't know the way I define latex and audiences yeah, that's not what your mother told me. Because mm -hmm. your mama knows the dummy version. The like, you know those books, dummy, like, you know, Spanish for dummies or coding for dummies. Yeah, that's, it's like dramaturgy for dummies. That's all. It's a lot of theater history and theory, a lot of reading. You left there, though, and went to undergrad. <laughs> then you did a master's in, well, she, okay, so she let, she lived three hours from home. She moved to a school that was like three and a half, four hours from home. To do her undergrad then she left us and went 17 hours from home to do two years in a master's program and then came back and now she's doing her phd yeah so when i took that class as a junior in high school i kind of fell in love and i was mississippi school of the arts first uh dramaturg to like work on a production which was very exciting the professor was really into directing and dramaturgy, so we kind of fostered that. And I realized the summer before senior year, we kind of sat down talking about college applications we're going to be due that semester. I needed to think ahead. I'm very much a strategic planner. I'm thinking like long-term goals. And so we, we kind of all were sitting around and I said, okay, I think I should like, we should do like five things that I could reasonably see myself doing as a career and be like, okay with. And then what are the degrees that would help me get there? Because I decided I didn't want to apply undecided. Like that didn't look good. But at that point in time, I had that feeling. So I wanted to have something that I knew I wanted to do, uh, even if I changed my mind later. And so we kind of like spitballed some ideas and like English teacher was on the list somewhere. And like the still like playing in orchestras was somewhere on there. But I realized like kind of topping the list was I wanted to teach college dramaturgy. 
I loved it so much uh, that I wanted to teach that to other people at the college level. And so that has been what I wanted to do. And like, I received that calling, like I have a very specific vision that I've received of me like standing in this dark paneled room, um, like class has just ended, you know, that sort of thing that like kind of drives me forward because I'm, I'm 10 years later and I'm still doing the same thing. That's Even awesome. With, like pit stops along the way. I'm going to be, this is such a huge like thing to unveil on a podcast, but I'm going to be finally meeting my goal of teaching college dramaturgy like as a full-length course a year from now next fall wow so congratulations I'm to teach the undergrad course yes thank you so I'll still be in my PhD but very excited yeah that's awesome so that's kind of a I told you we're gonna be short I told you it was not gonna be a short synopsis you do so all right so I'm gonna let kind of Jessica lead because I mean I know Sloan's story obviously as her mom but I figure I know that one of your children Correct. is very creative, arts-minded. And so I know you might have, even though it's a diff, it hers is visual art, your daughter Correct. enjoys visual art, it's still the same concept. And so I thought you might have some questions. Yeah, so like listening to you talk really kind of reminds me of of my Aniston. And that's, that's my oldest daughter who just turned 11. She is very focused and driven and she's already talked to me in advance about if she can listen to this episode because I don't typically let her listen so um, I'm trying to be mindful about how I word things or ask questions so she she's always done really well in school but there have been areas that she's really had to buckle down on and she's done that on her own so that's not we don't have to get on to her it's this isn't satisfactory to me. This is not where I want to be. I want to be in beta. So she is very, she's been very driven and figured out solutions. It's not just been, well, this is an issue. She talks to us about her issue, but she already has something lined up about how she's going to improve. And listening to you slow makes me think of, of her. Sounds real familiar. (laughs) It does. But very visual, but she likes theater too. So she's, she is about to audition for the school musical. She's been in the last two musicals. She really likes to sing. She just started cello lessons. So she, she's always, yeah. And she's a little person, you know, I'm small, but my children are old soul, but she's an old soul. And it's just an old soul. I think she is. Yeah. So she is, very artistic and I am not now like don't get me wrong like Russell and I which you have met my husband Sloan I I know not you know lots of time together but like when we go on vacation like even without the kids we always go to an art gallery and he loves it too so like even though we aren't artistic yeah like we like to go and do those kinds of things so she's very artistic and last year at recess she wrote a business plan at recess about owning an art gallery and she came home with questions about property taxes and like locations and whether you rent or own your building and things like that so she kind of already has a thought about where she wants life to go granted she just turned 11 I don't know if that's where her focus will stay but it's kind of like how your mom and I talked about the topic we were going to discuss with you tonight is people think about art majors and it's very cliche of a starving artist 
And what are you going to do with that degree? And how are you going to make a living? And that's not a real job kind of scenario. So um, you don't have to speak directly to me and my kid, but what would you say to the mamas and grandmamas listening that have that very artistic child probably aren't artistic themselves and like I guess speak positivity into them because I feel like people are afraid of the unknown and they stick to those cliches so what would you say to those mamas listening that have that artistic kid to like feed into them positivity and like career paths yeah I think that's excellent I wanted to touch on kind of in answering kind of touch on some of the things that you said well first of all that I mean you you noted that you and Russell aren't artistic and I think a lot of people would like say oh I'm either I either am an artist or I'm not an artist like you very much draw that line and I think what we're really missing is uh, the key is creativity and every single person is creative like you are creative in that you came up with this whole business, like you started the reindeer farm, like that okay. people, people who are not, who don't frame themselves at, as artists often call it like I have ingenuity, you know, but like ingenuity and creativity are the same thing. It is thinking about problems in new ways. And so I think that is, um, or, or thinking about creating new pathways for yourself. And so already people who have an entrepreneurial spirit, People who simply like have a way that they load the dishwasher because it is the most efficient, like that's creative. Yes, absolutely. And um, like it's creating new pathways, creating, uh creative. And so I would say that's really important for parents to understand is that you already have creativity, whether or not you realize that. There may be like a spin you take on a recipe that your mom taught you. You know, that you're like, oh, I don't really do it that way. I think it's more fun or more tasty or whatever. Or I had to solve the problem that my kids wouldn't eat it, but I needed them to eat it. So I made it this way. It can be problem solving or it can simply be interest in the thing. Like you are intrinsically creative and you can really share that with your child. Um, It was really cool for me to grow up like watching my mom doing scrapbooking, which she did a lot when I was a kid. And even now she's like such a planner nerd. Like. We, we have talked about actually excuse me we've talked about that and all her pens and her stickers and yeah mm-hmm. is a fascination with aesthetics and the way things visually lay out and i'm like that is creative alongside you know every other way that she might be creative in her life so i would say like you to support a child who is creative you need to acknowledge that you have your own creativity and you don't have to call yourself an artist. Like there is creativity and artistry already in your life. Every person does that. I think humans are creative. I'd also say like, I think you should be excited that your child is intrinsically motivated. Um, a lot of people talk about alternative schooling methods and things like that. And that's kind of where I'm drawing the vocabulary from. I have a friend who like grew up Montessori and she Mm -hmm. talks a lot about that. And she says, you know, for people who are extrinsically motivated, which means they need outside things to motivate them. They can't motivate themselves. They are awful at things like uh, Montessori because it it counts on you being self-driven. I think students who are, and, and children who are drawn to the arts are usually intrinsically motivated. I think it can be frustrating for parents 
if they are intrinsically motivated only towards the arts and not really towards the other things. And I kind of just have to say, like, that makes sense. And I think it just comes to reminding them, like, hey, you still need at least the high school diploma. And then you can be intrinsically motivated at the, uh, motivated at the one thing if you want. Right. I mean, you still need math and science and history and, you know, language arts. Like, you still need those things. I mean, uh, you know. Since you feed your artistry, I think my, my biggest pet peeve is when someone sees their child get into the arts. And I see it, too, like, even at the college level, like, when I'm teaching or when I was, like, in school with other people. They're like oh, I do theater and that's all I do all day long, every day, eat, sleep, theater, repeat. And like, that is not healthy. And it's not only not good for your mental state or your social relationships, but it, I mean, like, if they listen to nothing else, it makes bad art. It makes really contrived, boring art. It makes art for artists, which is not interesting. We want art for all people. <laughs> it's really boring. They would also say both to the to the children who are trying to like be artists like alongside the parents who are trying to be okay with it. survival jobs are so valid say okay i was working as a freelance uh, dramaturg during the pandemic which is like a very special time to be freelancing but it was working at a medical facility during the day and what i loved about it is that i knew the exact boundaries a lot of a lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to get stuck as a server or, you know, a, a barista or whatever. And it's totally fine. <laughs> and that you don't want to get stuck there. I think you need to pick something that is not exhausting and that provides you insurance. Because <laughs> what I loved about the job is that I had really good insurance. And because it's a medical facility, they legally cannot ask me to do anything outside of my really thriving during that time. Because you have to meet that hierarchy of needs first. Mm -hmm. And I'd say, like, it's important that that people who want to be artists don't romanticize a starving artist. That's not mm -hmm. fun. It's not interesting. It doesn't make your art better. It's actually horrid. And I've seen so many people struggle through that. Mm -hmm. And what actually brings you so much peace and allows you to pour energy and enthusiasm and creativity into your art is having a roof over your head and knowing that you'll be able to make rent and bills at the end of the month and being well fed, you know? So I think encouraging children to go like, great, I'm absolutely for you being in the arts. I'm so excited to see your groundbreaking like art studio and see all of your installations and watch you rule the world. I also want you to have like something to support yourself until that is your primary. And I think it's important that you frame it as that will someday be your primary. Right. I believe you will eventually get that being your only source of income gotcha. and mm -hmm. what you're able to do every day. Because if you frame it as, oh, you'll always have to work this other job, then I think it, it feels like you don't believe in them. Correct. Um, but if you just need some support along the way until you're able to do that on your own. It's also important that artists, parents are asking their children who are artists, especially as they get like teenage age and kind of older where they're starting to transition onto their own. Um, it's important that they put them through financial uh, like education systems. There are ones specifically made for artists. Like one of the best things you can do as a freelance artist, I will caveat here and say, I do not like freelancing. 
I like to show up to the same place every day, exactly <laughs> when my check will arrive. Okay. What you can do is create an LLC with your name on it so that every single gig you work, because it's a gig economy, right? That that is feeding into the LLC. So when you go to make a down payment or when you have to prove a line of credit or whatever, you can say, oh, this LLC has been paying me for two years, mm. but it's actually been 30 different companies. Right. Different amounts, right? And things like they need to learn how to set their own wages, their hourly wages. And how do you negotiate things like educator discounts? Um, how do you negotiate friends and family discounts? Because friends and family will be asking you to do everything for free. I, yeah. um, I'm sorry, I keep coughing. I feel like the next time you come down here, you and Aniston need to sit down and have a one-on-one because she is so kind-hearted because I have commissioned work from her and I have specifically asked her to draw or paint something based mm-hmm. on, like, I don't give her specifics. It's just, uh, I want, I just kind of give her like some bases. So I get yeah. what I want, but she still has the creative flow to still make yeah. it her own. And so I, I'm commissioning it. So I, I ask for a price. So what will this cost me? Well, you know, I'm her mom and she's just the sweetest little kid ever. And so she wants to do it for free. It doesn't cost anything. And I was yeah. like, well, no, this is not something you're sitting around doing for fun for yourself. This mm-hmm. is a task, a job. Mm-hmm. So there is a fee associated. And so just to say something, she'll say, oh, $5. And so I ask her, so how long do you think it's going to take you to do this? And something I asked for, she said, probably three hours. And I said, so you're going to give me three hours of your time for $5. And granted, she does get gift cards to get a lot of her art supplies, but we never let her run out. So if she needs a sketchbook, I'm going to buy her a sketchbook. If her, sure. You know, she needs right. to color right, pencils, right, right. buy them. But she still does provide some of them on her own. Not with her own money. We don't let her spend her own money, but with gift cards. So it's like, okay, so so you used a gift card to purchase art supplies and not buy a new Squishmallow or a Briar Horse or something. <laughs> right, you know? a toy. Yeah, right, 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 right. So you allocated your gift card to this. So your art supplies cost money. So like you need to figure out what your time is worth and what your supplies are worth. And, you know, it's an original by you. Like, how do you price that? And granted, I know like yours is more of a service and this is an actual product, but she still, she, she still only wanted to charge me like 25 bucks at the end of the day. And I I know that she's my child, but I feel like you have to learn that at some point. You, you know, kind of like what you're talking about, like this LLC and having a business flow and showing all these different jobs. It's really through this business and you're generating income and, and you know, you have income. So you're going to have to like help, help this kid out. Yeah. Yeah. I, pricing was really difficult for me when I first started out because I, I mean, I do get paid for freelance work on the side, even though my full time job is the assistantship and things like that. I had a really hard time pricing freelance work. Because I was like, I'm so young, and I've only blah, 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 16. Like, and I deserve to be paid as such. Right. Right. You know, it's things like, I use the MIT cost of living calculator, and I go, great, what's the, what's the living wage here, where I live? Then, how many hours am I doing it? Like, if I need to cover things, I actually multiply that by my year, and I go, if I'm going to have this many days off a year, how many is that? Like, it's a very long equation. We'll cut to it like that. And when I first started out, was charging around $30 an hour. 
And I was in a workshop on how to do this. Cause like I said, like getting in workshops on how artists should, should like artists, artistic financial literacy is so important. So I was in this workshop learning how to do this and we get to the end and they're like, okay, okay, like share, like what's the number you came up with and like talk us through some of them. And I did. And every person there was like business plan, ready to rent the space. Like she's going to plan, but she doesn't want to charge her mom any money. Um, so that friends and family discount is, <laughs> is heavily discounted. It is. Those, you don't have to name that workshop, but it would be not cool if there were some that you knew of that we could link in the show notes for other people to reference. Okay. So I know you talked about like music and then you got into theater, but you didn't really find your love for it until you got into those classes and you mm -hmm. didn't want to be undecided. I know that your situation is very specific to you um, with that special school that you went to. So what is your advice to maybe the high school age student? I, I know how in Kentucky, Camille and I have talked about this on an episode before. It is very college minded. So they, they create like a track for you if you are an art major or you want to go into the medical field and it tries to prep you for more of what your classes will look like at the college level in preparation mm -hmm. for that. So what would you say to maybe like the high school age kid of like what classes to get into and should you dabble inside of other artistic areas that are maybe not your favorite or not what you yourself consider to be your specialty? Yeah. Some states doing the stuff uh, like Kentucky where they kind of like okay, when you're like ninth or 10th grade, we're going to start thinking about your career and try to put you in more of those classes. It's cool. I mean, there are pros and cons to it. But I will say just generally for high schoolers and for college students who are planning their degree track for their major, not only like you're going to have to use your creativity to plan your degree, whether it's the high school diploma or the college degree. You need to list in one category all of the check marks you have to hit to get the physical degree, which for high school is like taking your four years of English and your blah, blah, blah. You know, you list all those things out and then you go, great, how many slots do I have left to fill with other things if I'm just meeting the basics for all four years? And then you try to slot in things that will broaden your worldview. Because part of what's great about being an artist being a creative person at all is that you're being asked to reflect humanity back to itself and you're being asked to tap into your humanness and show it to other humans and hopefully touch something in their humanness and a lot of people use the phrase like holding a mirror up to society and so I think the more you can get into the arts and the humanities and even one-off interests the more you can be a polymath the better and so if they you know, if you have the opportunity to learn a foreign language, then like you should definitely take that opportunity because you will obviously um, learn about culture things as you learn the language. Okay, you need to take the one-off random course. I took one on the Shoah, also known as the Holocaust, when I was in college. Um, but like, it changed so much about how I do art. When I was in high school, I did an independent study. Like, you're building your track to try to fit in as many different viewpoints as you can because all that's going to do is broaden your art which is great 
great. It'll show you more of what you do want to do and more of what you definitely don't want to do with your art. Like I said, people who get stuck in one thing, their art is so contrived. It's so boring. I a lot. Like they just get really snooty and they only want to do art for art's sake. Okay, well, that's not really what it's for, in my opinion. And uh, I mean, I did music, both vocal and instrumental. I did theater. I would say for someone who's into the like to literary arts, history, as well as the foreign language would be really great. Theater would be great for literary arts because you might get into playwriting. For visual art, I would say even, I mean, I guess it's kind of theater heavy because that's where I'm coming from, but like a set design class, like a theater production class, like mm -hmm. taking something that for most people, when they think visual art, they think a flat surface. Right. Um, like there are sculptors and things like that. They're generally thinking flat surfaces, but when you then have to take a vision that is on a piece of paper of like, here's how I hope it looks when we're done. And then like make that all happen on this huge canvas, which is your stage, will really challenge your aesthetic um, skills and your design skills in a really fascinating way. So I'd say like, always be looking something for something that is adjacent. And even if it's just a one-off, oh, it would be cool one day to collaborate with a musician. Like, great. Join jazz band. If all you do is stand there and play the tambourine, but someday you want to collaborate with a jazz musician on your visual art installation, it will be great for you to see what jazz musicians do and to try um, to make jazz music. So I'm, I'm really big into crossing the arts. Um, a bunch of my mentees, I talk a lot about that, that you should try to be attending arts events. I mean, because even... I know in high school, it can be hard to plug in classes, try to attend the band concert, try to attend, you know, see what the marching band does, because it's very different than what the concert band does. Try to attend like the improv comedy troupe thing, because it's different than the full play they put on. You know, your art shows, you're going to see a wide variety of visual art. But you as a literary artist, perhaps write a poem or a monologue or a short story that is read aloud that goes with the visual art theme and you then are incorporating you've written something someone else is reading it and therefore performing it and it's to aid the overall aesthetic of a visual art show like at mississippi school of the arts we did a lot of that and i was like that would be an awesome opportunity at other high schools and things as well uh, and we see it at the college level a little bit more but it just really expands your knowledge mm -hmm of your particular art so if you are a visual artist or you are only theater or you are only music it expands though and you can see that cross of all the, right the crossover right mm -hmm, the crossover you know words have a color and a mood and emotion oh yeah like, for sure vice versa can you describe a work of art in all of its <clears throat> complexity with words how can you arrange the words on a page so that they're giving a visual image which elicits a mood similar or contrasting to that that the words themselves elicit like you'll always be stretching your art i'm really into taking history classes too the more you can know about people you know the more your arts and cool things to draw on i want to ask a question now as your mom i want to know for parents who are out there who are not what they would consider artistically minded right i have did not have an artistic career yes i like to paper craft and work in my planner right and with cool stickers and pens but I'm not an art I'm not a visual artist I'm not musically inclined I don't have that skill set okay mm -hmm. or that bent meaning I don't 
want to pursue anything like that in my life. How do you feel as a child who had parents that really didn't kind of understand your abilities or your thinking? You know what I mean? Totally different. Because I feel like we're we're different in a lot of ways. Like, yeah, we, we, we look alike and, you know, we have a lot of the same mannerisms and we, you know, think alike sometimes. But I mean, truly... We're, we're taking different paths in life. Mm-hmm. And so how was that growing up or with a parent who kind of, and I, and I made fun at the very beginning of myself about how like I'm dramaturgy for dummies, but it's true. I don't understand everything you do, but yet I listen, you know, we have conversations about it. So how does that feel from your perspective? Cause there are other parents out there who are just like me. They have me. a child that's totally me. different from them, right? Totally different. And you know, of course, we as parents wonder how we birthed this child that's so different. But how as the child is that with those parents who are you, so different minded? Right. Did you feel supported and encouraged in that environment from obviously your mother loved you, but from a mom who is is very different from you in that aspect? I would say, you know, you mentioned earlier that Aniston is a little person. And I feel that way so strongly about children. They're just little people. Right. And I was so blessed in that my mom saw that in me as a 15-year-old. When I said, hey, I want to drive three hours or ride because I wasn't driving minutes ago to say like, this feels viable to me. I've been thinking about like, you not knowing dramaturgy for dummies. <laughs> I will say that's 99% of the population. Right. You know, right. You think. But like solution, she didn't talk through it at all. It was for me, I needed someone to listen and to trust that I knew. I still need that most days. That your child has instincts and that they're not going to, you know, like, there's a balance that has to be reached of like, yeah. how do I still protect my child? How do I still make sure that, sure. you know, sure. learning morals and ethics and yeah. right, right. But I appreciate being trusted because we, like, even if it didn't work out and I didn't end up going to MSA, she was still willing to take me there the one time. And then when the one time worked out, we went back the second time. And when the second time worked out, we went back the third time. And when the third time went back, like worked out, I went back and I stayed. And so I appreciated that we even took the first trip just the once. And, you know, like that, that is something that probably is not financially feasible for all parents. Like I was lucky that, you know, they, they planned them on a Saturday, like the visitation days and application days and blah, blah, blah. You know, my mom didn't work on a Saturday because she was a school teacher or whatever. So like we had the luxury and, and the privilege of being able to do that. And she listened to me when I said, I think we should do this. I think I need this to do what I want to do. So there has to be a little bit of trust. I think with artsy kids, it can be hard because yeah. of the starving artist mentality. Of, Tell me you do not want to. And as a parent, I think for me, like that, I mean, that trust is hard, but it's still hard as a parent because mm-hmm. I won't, you know, I mean, like, you want your parent, you want your child to be an engineer, be a professional lawyer, a doctor where they can provide for themselves and have this big family and this home and this, right. I mean, like, you know, and thinking that you're going to do what? 
with theater. I don't even know what those words mean. I don't understand it because I'm not mine. I mean, my mind doesn't follow the same paths. So I think it was like, I mean, just knowing your child and knowing, okay, they're serious about this. I need to learn more about it. And I think as a parent, I did try to learn more. Now, did I go and take courses and all of this kind of stuff? No, but Hey, Google's your friend, right? I Googled a few things. I looked up things myself because I wanted to understand more of what she was saying, what she was interested in. And I think that is that built the trust between us as mother child, you know, parent child to say, okay, this is, uh, I mean, it could work. You're going to have to put in a lot of, you know, time and energy and, years to maybe make this what you want it to be but it could work and I think this goes back to something that she mentioned about like her you know working at a receptionist as a you know that in some ways sometimes made me feel better because I thought okay she can pay her electricity and she can you know (laughs) pay put gas in her car and she can feed herself like okay and not that I didn't expect her to follow her dreams and do the things she wanted to do and be successful at those. But that that fed into that as a parent, okay, I've taught her to be self-sufficient and she can follow her dreams, but do it in a realistic way where I know she's taken care of, that I'm not the one that's got to support her until she's 40 years old and finally hits it big, right? right. I mean, or whatever <laughs> that situation is. And so I think that helped me that helped us to build trust between us. It wasn't meeting a diploma. It was great. We still have to do things to get intrinsically motivated. And I knew I wanted to make art bad enough that I needed to find a job that could sustain me and wouldn't make me exhausted. Where you could still create the art you wanted. Mm-hmm. There's also nothing wrong with like, there's, there's no shame. There's nothing wrong in doing community art, whether that's community theater, community choir, church choir, like whatever you know like leading the art camp you know at your local like institution like whatever you're still making art and there's nothing wrong with that I think some people get really down on themselves if they see it as like for theater it's like Broadway or nothing and actually there are so many people who lead thriving artistic lives who are not on Broadway right right and I mean even this summer we did that book study sheer gifts nope the other one cannot remember the Shoah, remember in Holland? Oh, Corey Ten Booms. The Hiding Place. Thank you. That's yeah, it, that's okay, it. yeah, we've y'all okay. talked about that. Okay with them. They were like, I work a full-time right. job doing something else, or I'm retired. Okay. Yeah. Because people who really love art, like, as long as you get to do art alongside whatever else you're doing, it's fine. Because the reality is, I can't make art all day, every day. I can do my dishes and wash my clothes and, like, go to the grocery store and, and like, normal people things. I cannot make art 24 hours a day, seven days a week, because that's also output, and you need input. And you know what? I think there's a really cool play that could come out of me being a receptionist. (laughs) There were some wild things. I think that, and to kind of wrap this up, I think as a parent of someone who was artistically minded and knew kind of from, I mean, for 10 years now, knew what they wanted to do and what type art they wanted, you know, where they wanted to kind of head in their career, in their lifetime. 
I think the number one thing, and I mean, if I could give advice, right, to other parents who have artistically minded children that are different from themselves, right, because I'm not minded that way, it's just, I, I think, listen and and support in whatever way you can. I did not always understand everything that she wanted to do or that she saw or that she understood, I didn't understand it. There are a lot of conversations we've had that I was completely lost, okay? I can just tell you, and I am an educated person, but it doesn't mean I understood what she was talking about because it was a topic I wasn't familiar with, right? And had not studied. But I think just as a parent, I just felt like if I show her that encouragement and support, then there's lots of ways I can still back her up, hold her up, and not understand everything. Like, I think there's a lot of ways to support your child outside of financially and just being one of these yes parents. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yes, 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 yes. She heard some no's from me, things I didn't think she should do or things I didn't understand or maybe I didn't agree with it or I saw that, well, right now I think you need to focus more on this aspect of your life rather than the creative art side, you know? And so did she always take my advice? No, but I think she understood that I valued what she had to say. And so in turn, she felt that as support, even if we didn't agree always on what she was what decision she was going to make does that make sense yeah it does and I know that we we have talked for a long time but yeah this is very related and uh, kind of a question posed to both of you more to Sloan but also you can give your input to Camille about how it happened in your home disciplining the the artistic child so Mm -hmm. right now in my house no one has any electronics there's mm-hmm. no TV. Oh. We've been this way for a couple of weeks because our priorities have not. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have not prioritized the things that we should have prioritized. And Got also okay. there has been um, a little bit of disrespect. So. Okay. It's different. Yeah. All three it's are growing this- pains. It is right. for a different sure. reason. So here's the thing. Aniston doesn't care. She doesn't utilize an iPad often anyway. If she does, she's watching youtube videos on how to draw something that she is like she right. is trying like to draw specific horizons. yeah mm-hmm. yeah she, she's not really good with animals and she <laughs> so she's watching yep. something about how to do better with animals whatever yeah so she doesn't care she and you know she's one of three kids and she's happy as a lark in her room drawing and doing her own thing <laughs> she doesn't care what the mother yeah. does. she's not really pun- she's not punished at this point right. she's like right, whatever. Right. feel really guilty about saying this and maybe i shouldn't feel guilty but her dad and i had a conversation about well if you don't if xyz does not improve and you know you've got a plan on how to get there but if we don't meet these goals that we've all set as a family i'm going to take your sketchbook away That's Mm -hmm. a real punishment to her. Also, every child is obviously uniquely different, but an Mm -hmm. artistic child, like, is that harmful? Because you, like you said yourself, Sloan, art is output, right? And it can be output from a lot of things, feelings Mm -hmm. and emotions or your day. Yeah. So as a parent that is not, I don't do visual art. 
is it harmful to punish a child? Because, you know, when I got grounded, they took away the things that I enjoyed the most. But is it different punishing an artistic child? Mm. Is it harmful mm. to take a sketchbook away or to take <laughs> alcohol markers, you know, because sure. we we didn't do it, but it's we've discussed doing it. And I almost feel like maybe that's that's not a, a good thing. I don't know. So we'll start with I don't have kids say from this angle but speak also to you know if that would have happened to you if art would have been taken away from you say i think the reason it gets tricky is because if you really want to output you will find a way to output right firm believer that true creativity comes from boundaries that's the reason it's problem solving in a lot of situations relating it back to my class on the show and things like you know i the some of the children who created art during it was like some of the most breathtaking art i've ever seen and you know what it's the same art that every other six-year-old makes but the fact that they had these extreme boundaries of having to scrounge for paper and pen makes it so much more breathtaking and made their output so much more interesting. And you find the same thing in all kinds of artistic creation. So I actually think that taking the means for artistic creation away from an artistic child will not stop the artistic output. Okay. Uh, they will find other ways to do it. Mm-hmm. I think what you actually have to do is eat up their time to create. Um, okay. I think it is intentionally giving them a bunch of other things that they cannot output with. Because, mm. you know, adults do too, but think about children, you know, then they can easily do that before bed. You know, like the 15 mm-hmm. minutes at the end of their day, they can easily create in that amount of time to let out whatever is they need to process. Mm. But like, I mean, and I think about it too, as someone who I don't do visual art, still so like, you tell me I can't do art. I mean, I can perform anything. I can do a silly accent till the sun goes down. You know, right. like, I will just be more creative in the output. With things like, you know, like, I mean, standard chores would be awful for me. Child, I hated them. Standard chores, okay? I can't, maybe humming a tune to myself while I load and unload the dishwasher, but I can't be as creative during that time because my body is being forced to do something else gotcha Uh, so I think for me it would it would come down to trying to fill the time that they would be creative if they are finding ways to be Mm. creative outside of restrictions because I mean that's what they're going to do yeah that's what a very creative way to look at it too right doesn't that tell you yeah I would have never thought of that but yeah I can see that though I mean that makes sense to me it makes logical sense to me that you're going to create regardless. I mean, right. if that is how you are driven, you are going to do it. It's the same thing. My mom gives this example. I am a creative in a very different <laughs> way than my brother is. Again, all people are creative. But because I tend to have a higher creative output than my brother, she gives the example that if there was a snake in the yard and she sees the snake, and me and my brother are out there and she's got to go like grab a hoe or something or like something to kill the snake, right? And she goes, do not get within 10 feet of that snake. Stay away from that snake. Then my brother will be very far away from the snake, at least 10 metric feet, like measurable feet, probably further, okay? Will be 10 of my feet from the snake, which is not 10 metric feet. It's right. actually probably around eight. So she would come back and be like, why are you so close to that snake? It's my, like, I'm interpreting interpretation it because you've given me a boundary and I'm following that boundary. 
but I'm interpreting it differently. And so I think this is Aniston. Yeah, so much so. And not, not necessarily trying to push the boundary. Like I can't think of, well, okay. I can't think of it in the snake scenario because she would love it. And she would probably be trying to scoop it up and like bring it in our house. But yes, like I say something, but it's like, if I don't lay it out, like the fine print of exactly what I am meaning, She's mm-hmm. not doing it, but she's not breaking the rules. It's just she didn't right. envision it the same way. And that's <laughs> Russell and I building barns. We'll design a barn and we discuss it and we're using the same words, right? And then <laughs> we go to build it and I'm like, what the hell is this? Like, we didn't talk about this. <laughs> and he will repeat those words back to me. And I'm like, right. But to me, that is this. And he's like, oh, no, 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 no. That is this. So we learned very early on uh, in this entire farm experience to save our marriage that we must draw them, that we must draw all of the things that we talk about. And this last time we did something, we didn't draw it. And I said, this is going to be a fight. I was like, I just want you to know that we're going to go to, we're going to go to construct this and it's not going to be. And he's like, we have talked about it till we're blue in the face. Like we're both saying the same thing. I was like, yeah, this sounds really familiar. And then we literally go to do it. And I'm like, this isn't what I thought it was, but you know what? At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. We'll just build it your way, but that's not right. what I thought it was. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's how we communicate. I mean, and so, and that was what I was saying when my I'm not artistically minded. I communicate in a different way because I'm a more, much more what I consider like straight line logical, you know, kind Mm -hmm. of person. I mean, that's just how I think. So I think more linear. They, she obviously thinks more circular, you know, I don't know even what shapes these are sometimes, but yeah, she is absolutely. But I think that it, you know, it's just been trying to communicate with each other and asking the right question and not say the right questions, but asking questions like, well, what do you mean by that? Can you put it in a more linear way for me so that I can understand it? Or can I put something in a more non-linear way for her to understand it? And mm-hmm. I think that's been the key. I mean, we still mess it up a lot. Don't get me wrong. I mean, we, you know, mess up communication all the time, but I think any relationship that wants to, to grow, whether it's parent-child spouse, friendships, whatever, business relationships, whatever it is, you're going to sometimes mess those things up. But if you continue to work at them, it'll, it'll be, you know, you can work it out, right? It'll just right. get better. comes down to more chore. It's your job to read it to me for three hours while I can Okay. And she cannot sit down and find a way to make things. She can't like, because even if you take away all writing utensils, right, anything that she could use to draw or paint, she can still arrange sticks in the dirt, you know, like. And she, she wouldn't. She does. So, like, she's going to find a way to manipulate things. You have to eat up that time if that's how you're choosing to, like, discipline if, you know, yeah. if you're choosing to, like, pull away something that they enjoy. Yeah. Um, because, like I said, like, you could still, okay, we've done it until nine o'clock at night it's getting close to time for you to go to bed now if you draw in the next 30 minutes between now and bedtime like you're assuming that it's processing and like that's mm-hmm. not going to be as much as if she had had from 6 p.m to 9 30 p.m to like do right. it as she pleased right gosh that those sticks <laughs> that's a good example they she made clay pots out of out of mud in the backyard she didn't have any clay and she in passing was like, 
you know, I think it would be cool to sculpt. She's like, I don't know if I'm good at that, but I think that would be fun to like experiment with it. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I was like, we'll go to Hobby Lobby and, and get some clay or whatever. And like, do you need air dry clay? I was like, I know there's lots of clays. And she's like, well, it depends on what I want to do. And she's like, I want to try to get a couple of different ones. And the next thing I know, like she comes in and she is like covered in mud and she has like created three it looks like clay because she spent so much time smoothing it out she's getting water from the hydrant outside and like created a mud pile and she made clay pots and they're sitting outside and they have all the acorns they collected out of the yard in it today so yeah that's yeah. what she does so like she mm -hmm. she'll make art with anything give give that yes. child dirt she'll find some water and made mud and made clay pots so yeah well thank y'all so much for hanging with us and i thank sloan who obviously you know uh has my heart um as my firstborn for being with us and i've enjoyed you know kind of hearing some aspects of what she does and how she sees art because i don't think we've ever actually had that conversation like how you see art and so that's been, or how you see creativity, you know, and so that's been kind of interesting for me. I've learned some things myself today. Yeah. I, I hope y'all um, have enjoyed this episode. I think it's been actually extremely helpful for me as a parent with an extremely artistic child. And uh, yeah, it's been really helpful. And I always knew you were like extremely intelligent, but like now I'm like, so like blown away and I'm, I'm like, geez, it's like everybody listening is just like this like, she's so smart. Like, you're so smart. <laughs> See me walk around. Well, if y'all have any comments or anything, be sure and either leave them under our YouTube if you're watching or leave them on our uh, podcast, rate and review us. Please leave some words of encouragement or whatever about uh, either this episode or just our podcast in general. You can email us at hollyhormonal at gmail.com and be sure and subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. That's right. Well, thank you all for listening and we'll catch you next time. Thanks. All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Yeah.